A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We're going to continue to discuss the fallout from the news of the Cork Mail Centre on Little Island and it uh, is to close in fully closed in March of next year. Workers at the centre are now starting to express anger. I think yesterday when we were talking about it, there was just that sense of real shock because they'd only found out the night before. They'd gone into work at 11 o'clock and obviously 11 o'clock at night at a mail centre, busiest time. They're sorting all the mail overnight and, you know, management, I suppose, would say they did it at that hour of the night when they'd all of the staff together. But it just came as a great shock to each and every one of the staff. So that then, as that started to sink in, that then turned to uh, anger, anger at the company, anger at politicians and even anger at their own union for their roles in the decision. Staff now are questioning why the Cork Centre was chosen for closure by next March instead of the centres in Athlone or in Port Leash, which were believed to be the other centres that were under consideration for closure as part of UNPUS reforms. And it was one of the points that I made yesterday. I want to see in black and white when you put the Cork Centre, the Port Leash Centre and the Athlone Centre show it to us why the decision was made for the Cork Cork Centre we heard we were hearing yesterday it was under capacity by 25% but if that's the case how much under or over capacity are Port Leash and Athlone you know show it to us in black and white so we're going to be discussing that on the programme this morning um, at about 20 past 11 today the wonderful Jake Carter is going to be joining us we spoke with his big brother Nathan a few weeks ago Jake Carter is playing for one night only at the Opera House in Cork tomorrow night and in advance of that gig he joins us to have a little bit of a chat a little bit of a bounce about how life is going for Jake at the moment and then we're also then going to take a look at Ballyhowra country and that whole area of the Ballyharas which goes into Cork, it goes into Limerick, it goes into Tipperary. There are some stunning walks and trails and bicycle trails in that area and there's lots to see and do and an app has been developed to help you if you are visiting that area, to help you enjoy the area and it's an interactive app as far as I know. So we'll be finding out a lot more about that on the programme today and then after half past 12 we'll go to the movies with Mark Malone as always. Your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. John in Cove says, I hope those people that were moaning yesterday about the heat are happy now. 
They got what they wanted. It's raining here in Cork Harbour at the moment. There were some, there were some showers forecast, even thunderstorms, John. But it will pass. It will pass. Actually, a couple of other people are on about West Cork saying uh, the sun is not shining. Actually, the sun. I don't know if the sun is shining anywhere uh, this morning, to be honest. But Texas said the sun is not shining here in West Cork. It's windy and cloudy, so we're not all bathing in the hot temperatures you're talking about this morning. But I think it's going to get very humid as the day uh, goes on. And someone else was saying. Uh, John in Clannacilty says everyone seems to be talking about the weather but there's no mention of the high winds that were in West Cork yesterday. We'd gusts of up to 40 kilometres per hour. Just wondering whether weather forecasts never seem to know about that. We did mention that. We had a number of calls in yesterday saying the previous night was actually sounded quite stormy in West Cork on the Mislin Peninsula and on the Beira Peninsula so it sounds like it's pretty much the same again today. Uh, but we are experiencing nice warm temperatures and the forecast over the next few days is good so we'll take that. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And all of the newspapers today are full of the most wonderful photographs of families either heading to the beach or uh, jumping off you know, the side of piers into the water and children out with sandcastles and uh, smallies and little pools of water. It's just great. I mean, it it really is uh, love, lovely. And I'm sure the photographers love going around to taking all these photographs. But the Irish Daily Mail have opted to go with a photograph. It's a lovely sunshine photograph. And it's a photograph of... Um, Young, young man, young woman holding what could only be the largest cone I have ever seen in my life. And they, they actually caption it, is this Ireland's biggest at 99? It's called the Big Boy and it is sold at a service station, Curran's service station in Ross Cross in County Meath. And seemingly it's become a huge hit with locals and tourists alike. Now I saw the photograph of it, I think you'd want to eat it fairly quickly. I imagine if you're anyway outside with a cone a 99 that big, it would melt very fast. So I imagine the eating of it, you've got to devour it pretty quickly. It retails at three euro, which I think is pretty good value. Their normal 99 is two euro. And they've been selling this big boy for quite some time. And it's been a big hit. People are actually travelling to to get to it, it went on social media I think there was pictures of the big boy and uh, because of that people started travel are travelling to anyone living close by willing to go in the car drive to County Meath to have one of these big boys I don't know if I've ever seen a cone as big uh, as it but then it got us chatting in the office where it came on air about 99s and there's nothing like a 99 in this weather I take it any shop or business that has one of those cone machines they are doing roaring trade with uh, 99 so we're asking the question that kind of comes up nearly every year even though I don't think we've done it in a few years where's the best 99 who makes the nicest 99 there's something about the ice cream in a 99 that you don't get in any other kind of ice cream. I don't know what it is and whether it goes back to our childhood and it was something that we grew up with because the 99s are, it's a very Irish thing, isn't it, to go for a 99 in the warm weather. So who's doing the best 99 uh, here across Cork City and County? Where's the best value? I mean, Cavan, or County Meath, that store in County Meath, their normal 99s are two euro but if you want to get the big boy it'll cost you three euro so is two euro is that kind of the average price for a decent 99 and does it come with do you like it with all the sprinkles and the sauces and all of that my preference would be 
just give me the ice cream with the flake in it. You don't really need to, maybe a bit of strawberry juice, but nothing. I don't necessarily want all the sprinkles on top. But I know now when you go in, they'll offer you all kinds of everything. The hundreds and thousands is what we used to, what we what we used to call those little sprinkles that you, we used to put them onto the the trifles. Remember the boxed birds trifles, which you can still buy. And you get the little sprinkles of the hundreds and thousands on top. A lot of people like those on their 99 as well. So the best value, 99, if you can suggest where it is, where is the best tasting 99? And uh, where, you know, would you travel long distances to get your 99? Let us know if you've been having 99s. Where are you buying them from? And how delicious are they? We are going to stay on the theme of summer has arrived and this sweltering temperatures and the nice weather that we're experiencing at the moment. And it is causing people to go to the beaches and to the waterways to to cool down. And there'll be lots of plans this weekend for people to go for picnics. We want to keep everybody safe. If you're going to the sea, if you're going to a local bathing spot, maybe a river, somewhere in your locality that's known for swimming and, you know, you want to take all the family to, to cool down across the weekend. We just want to make sure that everybody goes, has fun and that everybody comes back uh, safe. So we've invited Water Safety Ireland uh, to join us on the programme just to give some water safety advice at this time of the year. Because the one thing I've been hearing a lot about, and it's coming out from mainland Europe, where they're score- they really have a, a, quite a deadly heatwave in France and in Italy and in parts of Spain. You know, I mean, they're talking about temperatures going up to the mid-40s. I mean, that's crazy kind of temperatures. And people going in swimming, this uh, cold water shock, and that can lead to to drowning. And of course, as we know, drowning happens in seconds and drowning is silent. You know, you've got this image of somebody drowning and they're shouting and screaming, you know, help me, help me, help me. Of course, if you, when you're drowning, that's not what happens with the panic and everything happening in your body. It is very silent and it can happen so quickly. So we want to keep everybody safe. So we'll have a nice piece on water uh, safety. And also, we'll, I'll touch on and tie in with, if you are going away on a sun holiday uh, this year, my one piece of advice that I say to everybody is as soon as you arrive at your destination and you've got your, your bags into the apartment or the hotel room and if you're travelling with children everybody just wants to get to the pool it's usually and after travelling and you've arrived and you know the door of the airplane is opened and that heat hits you and you're on holidays and everyone's nice and relaxed but everybody particularly the kids want to get into the pool make sure when you get to wherever your destination is check out the pool Check out where the shallow end is. Check out where it gets deep. Check out if there's lifeguards on duty. Not always on duty, I have to say, in a lot of the holiday destinations. Many of them don't have lifeguards. Uh, If they do, well, you know, well done. Uh, But then it can get very busy where you are and the lifeguard has has a real tough job on their hands. But just familiarise yourself with the pool, basically, is what I'm saying. And make sure all of the children know you know, where they can go into the pool, where they come out of the pool, how far down the pool they can go before it suddenly gets uh, very deep. Because, and usually, if there's going to be an accident in a swimming pool on holiday, it'll happen, generally speaking, on the first day or within the first 48 hours. And normally it's down to the fact that people don't know the do's and don'ts around the pool or where's the deep end or where's the shallow end. And I remember being on holidays a number of years ago and we were at the start of our second week and the newbies were arriving and uh, you know everyone with a nice party atmosphere going on around uh, the pool and suddenly there was this you know screams and roars and a woman had lost she twins little twin boys they were about four 
one was gone missing. She was shouting this child's name, couldn't find the child. And it was like a kind of a compound place we were staying in. People were running in all directions, you know, saying, what's he look like? What's he wearing? And he was an identical twin. So it was very easy for, for her to say, he looks just like his brother and he's wearing the same swimsuit. And everyone was running in all directions. And then suddenly there was like a deadly silence when the lifeguard realised there was somebody at the bottom of the pool and it was the the other little boy. Now, he was airlifted away and he ended up in on life support, taken off the island and, and he was brought to mainland Spain and he was on life support for a, a number of days. Thankfully, he did survive and and as far as I know, he was, he was okay after it. But I'm telling you, it just knocked the stuffing out of everyone and ruined, absolutely ruined holidays for people. I mean, for the rest of... I I remember thinking I just wanted to come home when I was at the start. I was at the first day of my second week and for all of the people who had just arrived, it was a very different vibe the second week of that holiday. It 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 really was. So just please be careful. You want everyone loves going away on holidays, but we want everyone to come back happy and safe with just lovely memories of a lovely time uh, away. This is the Court Today replay on C103. On the 99s was the best place for the 99s. Here's some of your calls and texts coming in. The best 99 I've ever had is from the shop in Gary Vaux. It's fab, says Tess. Centra in Ballyvorney have beautiful tasting 99s and they're generous 99s. Bohabui, super value. Very good 99s, says Margaret. Thank you, Margaret. And John Murray's shop in Gary Vaux. They do the best tasting 99s. I'm assuming that's the same as Tess saying the shop in Gary Vaux. It's John Murray's shop. That's two votes in there for the shop in Gary Vaux. Not that we're looking for votes. We're not. Okay, Eddie in Mahan says Scally's super value in Black Rock in Cork. The 99s there are so good says Eddie. They're actually divine. They're so divine. He has two whenever he goes. <laughs> um, Michael in Mallow. Foley's in Beecher Street in Mallow. They do a wonderful 99. JJ in Balancolic. Quishes. Super value in Balancolic. Give out really big 99s with the flake. JJ describes it as being massive. That's Quishes. Super value in Balancolic. And Chris in Mallow says, if you go to Rathmore, the petrol station on the Killarney side, it'll take you a month to eat the 99s. They're so big in there. And Margaret in McCroom says, cost cutters in Town in McCroom. They do a wonderful 99 and it is really good value. Thank you for that. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862. 103, 103. There was a lot of anger and disappointment on the programme yesterday when the news from Ampos that it is to close the Cork Mail Centre in Little Island with the loss of 240 jobs. Labour Party Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me um, to discuss this in more detail. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sean, it's been known that one of the four mail centres was to close. Why do you believe Ampos selected the Cork one? If you take the premise that one of the uh, centres was to close, uh, then that had to be that had to have been based on a set of criteria. Mm. And what I'm questioning is the transparency of the criteria that were used to close Cork. And there was a McKinsey report which was done by this set of consultants, which looked at uh, the, the, the other mail centres at Lone and Port Leash 
And I'm not convinced that within that report, based on the criteria that were set down, I haven't had sight of the report, but I'm not convinced that the recommendation within that report was to close Cork. What I can't understand is why, if you have Athlone and Port Leash within 40 minutes' drive of each other, and Cork then servicing the whole of the southwest of the country, if you will, or, or there or thereabouts, why is it that they decided to close Cork then? And what was the rationale? What, was, what were the reasons? What were the criteria? And we don't have sight of that. And I don't believe for a second that the closure of Cork was justified or is justified because I believe that if Unpost is telling us that its revenues are increasing dramatically, that its revenue is up to 900 million euros, if they have an operating profit of 41 million euros and there's a 7% rise in revenue. What their justification for the closure of Cork is, is that the, the there's been a decrease in the volume of the traditional letter yeah, post. Yeah, people aren't, people aren't writing letters anymore. People and I know, it, it, I mean, it was, it was the, the closure of a mail centre was considered by the Labour Court. That was recommended back in... Um, nearly two years ago, September of 2017. So we knew one of them was to go. Now, as you're saying, on post are saying that the Cork plant is operating at below 25% capacity. Do we know about, leave Dublin out of it, I don't think Dublin was ever going to be considered. Do we know what was the capacity at Athlone or Port Leash? No, and that this is the point. We don't have transparency on the decision that was made to close Cork. So, I don't accept at face value the argument that Cork was operating at, uh, you know, less capacity uh, to the the tune of 25% or that it was down 25%. Because the overarching argument here is that if there has been a 40% rise in parcel volumes, then what that means effectively is that if you take Cork out of the equation, that all of the parcel services are now going to be moved into either Port Leash or Athlone or Dublin. And to my mind, I just can't see how, if on post are going after the parcel volume of business and they're the proof of the, uh, you know, and if there's a 7% rise in revenue, then that to me would represent an opportunity of on post to keep Cork open, revise the decision to close, you know, any centre for that matter, uh, and you know, continue to tout for the business of delivering uh, more and more parcels. And uh, we only have to look at our own consumption, our own behaviour as consumers to know that the amount of times in a month that the delivery van arrives at our house to deliver something that we've bought online, if you extrapolate from that, on post has the Amazon, you know, contract. Uh, Amazon is delivering, you know, a massive amount of parcels and I don't understand why there is a justification then to close Cork on the basis that you know those contracts are are delivering significant revenue for Unpost but, and um, revenue but, is growing but and therefore didn't I read that on, that Unpost say that they intend to invest 15 million euro in parcels infrastructure across Cork City well what they're saying is that they're going to you know, their press release is telling us that they're going to, you know, invest more in Oliver Plunkett Street, the GPO, that there's going to be a new, you know, delivery unit, an investment in Skibbereen and, you know, the Mallow Centres and so on, you know, will be Buttress, Kinsale and Bandon and so on. But but that, 
to my mind, still doesn't address... Those, to my mind, and I said this on the record of the doll yesterday, are piecemeal responses. Like, if you take on post from a corporate point of view, what they are saying here, basically, and this is the contradiction that I see, is saying we're, we're, we're increasing our revenues, our parcel service is increasing, but we're taking out one of the parcel sorting centres at a time when our revenue is increasing from parcels, a, a greater tranche of the parcel delivery market, if you will. And I would ask that we would have sight of the McKinsey Consultants Report because I would love to kick the tyres. There has been no tyre kicking of the criteria used to close Cork mm. because we haven't seen the criteria relative to Port Leisure or Athlone. Now, yeah, well, because I, I mean, I even made that point yesterday. If Unpost could clearly, in black and white, show the three centres... Cork, Port Leash, Athlone, show who's doing what, you know, and if it is the case that the Cork one is operating at below capacity compared to the other two, then so be it. Well, but it's, it's when we don't know. We don't know, and this is the point. And, OK, it is a semi-state body. Uh, you know, I, I questioned the Minister quite robustly on this yesterday. You know, his response to me was that this is, a you know, an operational matter for on post. But at the same time, you know, I think the people, you know, who, who work in Little Island, the least they're entitled to is, you know, some degree of justification as to why they now find themselves in the position where they're going to lose their jobs. And we have to express some solidarity for the workers there. 240 jobs is a significant job loss in Cork. And if it's done on the basis that there's no transparent justification for it, then I think that the decision, uh, personally, I think that the decision is wrong, but you might say, well, you would say that anyway because you're a Cork TD. But I, I'm trying to be as objective as I can about this and say, well, let's look at Port Leash, let's look at Athlone, let's look at Cork, do a compare and contrast between mm. the three. Is Cork the least efficient of the, those three, we'll say? And if it is, so be it. And if it's not, then justify why you're closing it. Uh, absolutely. And and I have, a, based on conversations I've had with people across the sector, I have a suspicion that the McKinsey report uh, uh, recommendations were not fully, uh, you know, accepted by Impost. And let's remember as well, Patricia, that it's not too terribly long ago that TDs like myself stood up in the doll and agreed to give Impost the one euro price tag for a stamp on the basis that it would give them a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah. And what Unpost has turned around and done now is they've just absolutely, you know, I, I would say that they've kind of used this opportunity now as to take the path of least resistance and say, well, we can further restructure and rationalise our services and in the course of doing that, let's take Cork out because the pocket of resistance in Cork won't be as strong as it would be, for instance, in and they're, and they're not reducing. They're not reducing the price of any of their stamps. The the, the McKinsey the report that, that you speak of, it sounds like it's the third secret of Fatima. Why has nobody got their hands on it? Well, you see, I don't understand this. I mean, we're very good in this country at drafting reports and consultants, you know, uh, are making a fortune. The legal profession and consultants make a fortune off the back of, uh, you know, government policy and, you know, policy by, you know, entities like Unpost. And I'm sure Unpost paid a fortune for this report, but, 
you know, if you don't like what you see in the report, then you bury the report. And I think that's effectively what has happened here. Now, if it's, if it was a private company making a decision and it, it went out to a set of consultants for some recommendations and they didn't publish the report, you'd say, OK, fair enough. It's a private company. It has that right. But this is a semi-state report. And there is a reporting mechanism. It's a semi-state company, but there is a reporting mechanism to the minister as well. And I'd be very surprised if the minister hasn't had sight of the contents of the McKinsey report, because if I was a minister sitting at the cabinet table, I would say, hold on a second, I want to see the McKinsey report. I want to meet the, the CEO, Mr. McRedmond, and I want you to go through chapter and verse, line by line, why it is that you're you can justify the closing. closure okay. of Cork. La, la, on, the basis, on the basis, Patricia, because this is the most important point in all of this, on the basis that you're, you're telling me that your revenue is increasing, you're telling me that your, your turnover is increasing, and you're telling me that you're going after parcels, more parcel deliveries. You know, where is the justification for the closure? Okay, and a, number of listeners, a number of listeners want to get in with points um, to you, um, Sean. Firstly, people are saying... Uh, Minister Nocton stood up for Athlone. That's why it survived. Why did no senior Cork TD not do the same for Little Island? And Anne said she heard in another radio discussion that Athlone was to close, but political pressure stopped it. So Cork is now closing. Well, political, this is political. And I said this on the record of the Dáil yesterday. And they went for the 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 path of least resistance, the one whereby there would be the least political resistance. And I did say on the record of the doll yesterday that I, I, I do believe that, you know, you know, if you're sitting at cabinet and there are job losses happening in your region, then I think, you know, there's a moral obligation to at least question why those job losses uh, are taking place. You have in Athlone, uh, Kevin Boxer-Moran, who for the record, I'm a great admirer of because of what he did and delivered for, for, for Donrell Court, you know, given that we had a plethora of ministers through Donrell Court and he delivered. So I don't think it was Dennis Nocton per se was the most influential person. I would say that perhaps it was, uh, you know, Kevin Boxer Moran, but he stood up for, for Athlone. Port Leash then in, in the, the Leash Offaly area, you also have people like Charlie Flanagan sitting at the cabinet table. So I don't know if he made any interventions on this, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that any, and I know this from serving, having served as a minister, that if there's any decision coming down the line in respect of your, the area that you represent, well, you're going to make sure that you, 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 you know, you fight for your region, whether you do it on the public airwaves or whether you do it privately. But you make sure that there's no decision that's going to be made that's going to, you know, affect, you know, 240 jobs in your region. That's your job. Okay, Dennis says, uh, Patricia, could you ask Sean, do we even need on post? Will we not be better off contracting out letter and parcel delivery side of on post to the numerous couriers and leave on post to deal with the post offices so they can actually then go on to offer better services like motor tax, etc. Stop them competing with the already saturated market market with the couriers? Well, you see, it's, it's, I, I would say respectfully to that person that there is this thing called the universal service obligation, whereby you have the five-day delivery service where, you know, in law, there is uh, this uh, provision whereby people are entitled to have their del- letters delivered on a five-day service. Even if you live in a very rural area? Even if you live yeah. in a very rural area. But but I, I, I would say at the same time that I do believe that the universal service obligation, that they call it, I think that that's under threat now because I think I think on post 
from a corporate strategic point of view, is going to take out, you know, parcels services uh, in Cork. And I think what they're going to go after next is 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 the letter services uh, and that your your postman that and post person postwoman that delivers the mail every day. They might now be reduced in the longer term because of a strategic decision that might be made by Impost down to maybe a three-day service or a two-day service. Or you might be going down to the local supermarket if you live in a rural area uh, or driving into the nearest town to collect your post. That's what I can see happening down the line. To answer the, the point that that, that... that answers the point that's made by your listener in respect of universal service obligation. But there is a shrinking letter post offering because we're all using email and mm. electronic communications. And I do believe strongly that Unpost workers who I meet every day of the week because they're delivering stuff to my house and they're delivering parcels to my office and so on and so forth, that they can compete for more business and that there is space because what's happening is that the parcel delivery service is growing exponentially. It's not a finite market where, you know, DPD gets 5% and POS gets 10%. It's growing in exponentially. So that means that in a growing market, more more operators can come in or Operators like Unpost, I would certainly love to see Unpost competing and getting a greater tranche of the deliveries uh, service because I believe that they have the infrastructure, they have a, a solid workforce with years of cor- what I call corporate memory, they know the people on the ground, they know how to deliver services and that's why I think the, the parcel service needs to be a key offering on, on the part of Unpost and that's why we need Cork to, to, to remain open. But I fear that the decision has been made and the axe has already fallen. Yeah, because some other people are asking, you know, if on post are saying that there's an increase in delivering, that the, you know, they're getting more parcels in, can they not just redirect the staff rather than let the staff go? Can they not move from sorting letters to sorting parcels? Or is, this, well, is that too simplistic? I, well, in, the argument that on post is making is that they can, they, they can and they will redeploy workers. Okay. So this now has to be teased out. But if you've been working in a service as a part-time worker, for instance, you know, if there's 70, 161 part-time workers, um, and if you've been working in the service for you know, 20 years, you know, it, it might be very difficult for you to, to redeploy because you might have to travel significantly to redeploy. So, you know, there's a, there's a whole pile of issues that arise there in relation to redeployment. And I'm sure that there will be a negotiation between the CWU, the, the union, the, the Communication Workers Union, and on post in respect of redeployment. Some staff will redeploy and some staff will naturally, uh, you know, take a, a redundancy package. But if I was a worker in the mail centre in Cork at present, and if you were offering me, uh, you know, the, the package that, that, that is on the table at the moment, I, I, w- I would have a full expectation legitimately that, uh, you know, I would want to sit down and negotiate, uh, you know, any exit package. Uh, and they're saying that it's a voluntary package at the moment. And I'm, I don't know if I was a worker, I'd be looking at the package and saying that it would, you know, help me to transition into new employment or, or whether or not, you know, I would want to keep my job because most people want to keep their job mm. at the end of the day. Well, especially you know. young workers who've taken on mortgages and that's what we're hearing and that's a number of them are. workers, people getting married shortly, you know, you know, the mortgage, you know, the cost of keeping a car on the road. You know, you might say that the, the redundancy package, okay, fair enough, you'll get a, a, a lump sum, you know, and but like the lump sum 
is fine, you know, for a short term. Doesn't but last if you, long. If, if you've been doing this it, job okay. for a number of years, it doesn't last long. Just, to, just to give job. you a sample of some of the calls uh, that are coming in, Conor Amado says stamps went up by twenty percent. No wonder volume is down. Uh, Liam in Fromoy says, does Sean see this as an attack on Cork? All of the other centres are located in the Leinster uh, area, uh, and then number of people saying, does Sean think on post will reconsider the decision, or is it a fait accompli? Play. The the last question is the answer to that. I think at the moment is that uh, you know, and I just have to you know, the honest answer is that I think that this is a fait accompli. But I still think that we have to try and make interventions at cabinet level because I still believe that if they're going to close something like this, that there has to be you know, we have to see the justification for the closure. And already. You know, the unpost has moved into the, the the language or the narrative of saying, you know, we give you the best deal possible, we'll redeploy the workers and so on. I, I just I, I can't understand why they're doing this. I really can't. In, in relation to the uh, the the increase of twenty percent, the increase of twenty percent in the cost of the stamp up to one euro was 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 given on the basis that the um, the financial position of unpost was 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 very precarious and rather than on post going down the swanee if you will you know it was felt at the time that such an intervention would give them a fighting chance and give them a revenue base but what they've done is they've just turned around now and they've just given us all a kick in the shin they're saving money and they're they're not giving back on the stamp can I just very briefly before I let you go uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says would you ask Sean has he any update on creating biofuel plant at the old sugar factory in uh, Mallow. Michael actually has been regularly contacting us about biofuel and says with all the talk about the Climate Action Plan, nobody's focusing on biofuel. Well, the, the, the issue, in, there has been no specific proposal that I am aware of in relation to the sugar factory site. Okay. But what I've been trying to do with the IDA and other entities is to say, look, here is a brownfield site. You know, could we could we use this for... Biofuels is one option, but then you know you've you've, you've any other no, you know anaerobic di- digestion is is probably I'm not saying specifically for the uh, you know for the sugar factory site, but that's part of the the fuel mix now that people are talking about in relation to climate action. If you're talking about creating fuel from from agriculture, if you will, there are no specific proposals in relation to uh, the the sugar factory site and and the biofuels mix. The argument against it, and I'm just speaking objectively here, I'm not saying you know, that I believe this necessarily, is that the idea of using fuel, if you will, from food, from grains and so on, is something that doesn't have a lot of currency at the moment. And whether or not you'd be using other things like, you know, miscanthus or wood pellets, this, there seems to be a movement away from that type of energy source at present. So Do you know why? Why, you... I, I think, I, I, I believe that it's because you're growing trees to make wood pellets, uh, you know, to burn. And there is a carbon element to oh, that or carbon producing element to that. I think the, the movement, if you will, or the, the thinking 
and this is all I'm talking about here today is just the thinking at the moment yeah, yeah. in relation to fuels is, is for wind, wave, energy, solar as the alternative sources as opposed to biofuels. Okay. But it is kind of ironic that we're talking about reducing our carbon footprint and yet what Amposter are planning to do is going to increase their carbon footprint by vans having to travel up and down the country getting mail in and out of Cork. Well, effectively, you will have more uh, of the big green lorries going up and down. Yeah. Okay, I'm way over on time. I have to leave it. Listen, I appreciate you uh, taking our call, Sean. Thank you for that. A lot of commentary and a lot of comments coming in on the um, post situation and the closure of the Cork Mail Centre. So we'll get to that and uh, lots more thoughts. And don't forget as well, after uh, in the next hour, Jake Harter is going to join us in advance of his gig at the Opera House tomorrow night. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed still getting calls in about the 99 ice cream and where's the best 99 uh, ice cream uh, somebody M says the best 99 ice cream you can buy in Cork is at the Maxall filling station in Bantry might be worth a trip to Bantry and then somebody by WhatsApp says did you know on the 99 ice cream that it was Margaret Thatcher in the UK who invented the 99 well I've never heard it being attributed to Margaret Thatcher what I what the story I've heard about where the 99 came from because the origins of the name are uncertain and there's various stories during the rounds but the one that I I think is probably the most believable one is the that it came out of Scotland Portobello in Scotland where an Italian by the name of Stefano Arcari opened a shop in 1922 and he opened a shop on Portobello High Street and the number of the shop was 99 Portobello High Street and what he did was when he was giving out ice creams he would take a large flake and he would break it in two so he'd give half to each customer stuck it into the ice cream and then of course the name came from the shop's address because it was 99 Portobello High Street so it ended up being called uh, a 99 and the size of the flake that you get in a 99 is about half the size of a flake if you were just buying the actual chocolate itself so that's the one that I most believe is probably the origin of the 99 as to how it came out from Margaret Thatcher never heard that one before Okay, lots of calls and comments coming in about Unpost let's uh, kick it off with uh, Frank who joins me on the comment line from the, from the city uh, Good morning to you Frank Morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very well. People still reeling from the the shock of this news, and people are very angry about the news. But you're the one who is tying it in with the government's climate action plan and the government trying to do their bit to reduce everyone's carbon footprint. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're right to call for pure clarity on on what the assessment of all this is. Um, it, it is should be in the public domain, but as part of that, um, we have to now start looking at the environmental impact and staying local with with um, deliveries would be far more preferable than having large trucks, more trucks on the road. Um, as the speaker from Unpost said the other day, I was listening to him, and he said because the road net- network is so good now, that they're able to put uh, trucks and what have you on the road more and, and, and provide a better service. So we're going, as Sean, Charlotte, a, as Sean Charlotte said, we are going to see a lot more of those big green unpost va- vans heading yes. out of Cork uh, every day up to Athlone or up to Port Leash to sort our mail to get it back down to us. 
And uh, and they're talking about heading uh, heading up into the reaches, the far reaches of Donegal and and yeah. whatever. So um, that to me seems to be a retrograde step on the government's part. Um, uh, but I'd like to see, and I'd like to see somebody from Unpost saying, "Yes, we did uh, an environmental study." I mean, yeah. if you go for if if a developer wants to go for for a planning uh, of an area. Uh, they, they they're obliged to do an environmental impact study. Yeah. So uh, has Unpost done an, an environmental it's impact? Good, it's a good point. It's study. a good point. It's a good point, and it comes on the back of a week of the government talking about the climate action plan and telling all of us we need to reduce. Absolutely. Our carbon footprint. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. They need, they it's a good point. The le- they need to be the leaders on this. It's a good point. Frank, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, totally, enjoy, totally enjoy your, your programme. Thank you very much. Uh, Jerry in Carrick Tool says, isn't it a bit late now for the politicians to be coming out crying over the news of the Cork Mail Centre closure? Uh, where were they for the last two years? Everybody knew, according to Jerry. Dogs on the street knew that it was marked for closure. The political people in the Midlands fought for at loan due to the lack of employment in that area and recent big closures. Everybody working in the mail centre will tell you this and while they're upset yesterday, many of my friends working there, says Jerry, knew that it was on the cards. But what adding to the anger and the disappointment, I think, for the staff, according to Jerry, was the news came so fast it shocked people. People thought that a meeting would have been called and they would have had a few weeks' notice to prepare themselves. But it came out of the blue so uh, too late now for the politicians complaining and giving out they surely knew that this was coming they should have been fighting and fighting why have they when they're not fighting for this over the last two years and I know I heard some of the unpost workers are a bit upset with their union representation as well because they're questioning when did the union reps know about it because it seems the union rep had a press release ready to go as soon as the soon it was announced so they're a bit annoyed about that as well and I think you know Jerry, you're right I think you know the dogs on the street knew that one of the male centres was going to close we knew that after the Labour Court recommendation in September of 2017 so nearly two years ago the Labour Court made a recommendation for the closure of one of the male centres four male centres Cork, Athlone, Portleash and Dublin Everybody accepted that the Dublin one wasn't going to go, so it was going to be between Cork, Athlone and Port Leash. And and I don't know and you know, unless some of the workers listening want to want to talk to us about it, I don't know if the workers themselves would say, Oh, we knew for sure that the Cork one was going to go because I heard that people in Athlone and people in Port Leash, the workers up there, were equally as nervous. Nobody knew for sure. They knew one of the three would go, but nobody categorically knew which one it was and that's why it seemed to have come as such a shock to some of the workers. Thanks for your comment, uh, Jerry. Eileen and Barry Rose says, could they not lease out a contract to courier services? There are so many new courier services now set up covering very rural areas such as peninsulas, etc. Could they not pick up the work from on post as they're covering the areas that nobody wants to cover? I don't quite know where you're coming from on, on that one, uh, Eileen, because that's one of the things is that there's a public service uh, arrangement whereby on post must deliver letters. And the reason that's in place is that they don't want a private company coming in, cherry picking, deciding, well, we'll only deliver post to the urban areas and people who live in rural areas will have to come into town to pick up their post. So there, there is an agreement in place and that's why they get state subsidies and all of that. But there's an agreement in place that states on post must deliver 
five days a week and must deliver to every home in the country that requires uh, post. You won't get that out of a private uh, company. And says uh, Dublin should be queried. If they were going to look at Cork, Athlone and Port Leash, they should look at Dublin as well. Well, I don't ever think Dublin was going to be in the mix because of the volume of mail that goes in and out of Dublin and because of the population base for Dublin. That was never, I don't think there was ever going to be a case that that was going to be the one to close. Noreen on the MISM says, I do not use on post. I do not use on post. They are very efficient, but I also use courier services for online shopping. And some of the online sites use couriers instead of on post. So couriers are doing well out of this. Can on post not pitch for a courier service? Well, on post, I mean, on post have the arrangement with Amazon. It's one of their biggest if you want to call that a courier service, they have an agreement with um, any anything that's bought through Amazon that comes through uh, on post. They went out of parcels, but then they realised they were losing out and they came back in. So they are, are very much in there in that market delivering parcels. That's the one side of the business that is doing well for them. While they're saying the letter side of it is down 7%, the parcel volumes what you're talking about, the courier end of it, that's grown by 60%. So they're, they're well in there. Um, they're, they're well in there in, in covering that side of the, of the market. And that's the one that certainly is going to uh, continue. Uh, people, post people, this is by text, post people are invaluable, says this texter. Most couriers in rural areas haven't got a clue where they're going and they always want to drop parcels into a local town. You won't get the same from mum post. Yeah, the postmen and post women are absolutely uh, fantastic and they have this public service arrangement that they must deliver posts so they are they are great whereas a courier, do, a courier doesn't. Uh, hi, I'm, re- I'm really annoyed about the Cork Mail Centre in Little Island uh, closing. Kind of smacks of what happened with the sugar factory in Mallow when that closed some years ago and again it came out afterwards that it should never have uh, closed and that came with the loss of uh, 200 jobs. Are we going to be looking at something similar with the Cork Mail Centre whereas they'll come back in so many years time and went oops we got that wrong we never should have uh, closed it. 1850 Also coming into us on by where is this text that I want to get to because I really want to give a mention to this. This was Michael says Patricia a very hearty congratulations to your roving reporter Fiona Corkham of the 96 and C103 um, newsroom on scooping the top award on uh, scooping a top award from the Law Society. Fiona is a class act and she's destined to go far. Every good luck to her counterguards and that is from Michael. And in case you didn't hear it, we, I was chuffed by this yesterday. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corkin who often joins us on this programme. If there's ever a breaking news story, Fiona Corkin will always be our first, first port of call. And she was recognised yesterday for her people-centred court reports. It, they were the Justice Media Awards by the Law Society. The uh, awards are uh, presented by the Irish Law Society recognise outstanding broadcast and print journalism that contributes to the public's understanding of justice, the legal system and legal issues. The judges awarded a merit certificate to Fiona for her rich and detailed approach to court reporting, seeking out those involved in the cases she covers to get their reactions and warnings to uh, others. And there was a big kind of a gala type lunch that was held yesterday at the Irish Law Society at Blackhall Place in uh, Dublin and we are 
chuffed and so, so proud of our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. Thank you, Michael, uh, for that text. I shall pass on your best regards. 1850-333-103. Another best cone coming in. Remember, we're asking you, keeping it light and bright for the... Looking forward to, even though everyone's saying we don't have sunny weather today, Trish, we don't. It seems very overcast and miserable, even though the temperatures is going to... They could be quite a muggy afternoon. We're at about 18 degrees now. They could go up to 24, 25 degrees uh, this afternoon. And who knows, Maybe a bit of sunshine will break through. If you're heading out for a 99, we want to know where's the best 99, the best tasting 99. I think rather than the size of it, it's got to be the taste, that really rich, creamy taste of the ice cream. Best cone in Mitchellstown can be had at the spa. Upper Cork Street, it's so lovely and creamy. See, when I hear that a 99 is creamy, that's the kind of 99 I'm looking for. Thank you for that. Texting 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A person is wanted for some light housework and to prepare a dinner that's in the Buttervent area, while pipe fitters are wanted to work with a mechanical con- contractor in Cork. person wanted for building work that's in the North Cork area and a full-time maintenance technician is required for work in Bandon. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Uh, more of your calls and uh, comments coming in about the Cork Mail Centre in Little Island for closure. Text WhatsApper says the closure of the Little Island Mail Centre. That's been on the cards as far back as 2007, according to a news bulletin on RTE. Goodness me, I mean, they're for, I wonder where they're, where they're coming out with that stat and that information from. I mean, to me, the closure of the Mail Centre was the first time it was considered was the Labour Court when they made the recommendation in September of 2017. And obviously that was looking at on post. Uh, even though you'd, you'd wonder, do they need to look at it again? Because on post are now starting to make money. But anyway, um, the Labour Court recommended that there was four male centres. They looked at the four male centres and said one of them should go. They didn't say which one. They said it's up to one post then to decide which one they're going to close. Then the McKinsey report was done to look at all four male centres and nobody knows. It's, you know, I said to Sean Shirley, it's like the third secret of Fatima. Uh, nobody knows where the, um, what's in that report. And that, you know, that's just, so I'm an, and until we find out exactly why they picked Cork. I think that's going to lead to a lot of frustration and people thinking that Cork has been picked on because of uh, it. OK, a couple of points, says Heidi, on the Cork Mail Centre to close. Point one, we are the largest county, hence more post deliveries. Also, with the likes of Amazon on eBay, two big online shopping sites, there must be more packages being delivered. I don't see the sense of the closure. Well, they'll straight away say that the parcel volumes have grown by 60%, but the Little Island Mail Centre from what I can gather, does letters. It doesn't do parcels. Parcels go somewhere else. On poster saying that they are going to invest, I think it's something like 15, 16 million into Cork, into refurbishing, major refurbishing of the parcel side of it. I mean, for example, they're talking about putting in a thousand parcel lockers which will be installed uh, across the city and county and that makes collection more convenient for customers. That's where you don't get your door-to-door service 
you could, you know, like the Parson Motel that's there, they're going to get into uh, doing something uh, like that. Uh, but certainly, yeah, the parcel side of it is is getting higher. Anne is wondering what will people, what are people thinking if they if they're in the constituency of the Thornister, Simon Coveney. Uh, will people remember him when they go to the polls at the next election with the job losses? Surely he has a big vote at the cabinet table. Why was he not shouting for Cork? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. Here's a little bit of music for you from Jay Carter. It tastes so freaking good when you kiss me. Yeah. Lips over my skin, and you know it gets me higher than I've ever been. You make my record spin, and it stops. Nothing I can do I'm addicted to you You're the one who fits the shoe There's no other girl like
Ah, I like that. That is Jay Carter's uh, newest release called uh, Supernatural. And we play it because, of course, Jay Carter is live at the Opera House in Cork tomorrow night in advance of that gig. He's taken time out. He's pulled it on the side of the road, I'm told, to have a quick <laughs> chat with us. Uh, good morning to you, Jake. Good morning. How are uh, we're, we're all, we're, we're very well. You've played the Opera House before. Is it a, is it a venue that you yeah. like? I played the Opera House last year and uh, it's, to be honest, it's, it's one of my favourites, if not my favourite venue in Ireland. Um, it's such a prestigious venue, so I still kind of pinch myself to say that I'm doing a gig there tomorrow, do you know what I mean? And it's our second time playing the Opera House. And I love Cork, I've been in Cork many a times now, and um, it's a great place, people are so welcoming, and it's always a great place to do a gig. We always have a fantastic night in it, so... I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's gig and yeah, as I said, the Opera House is it's such a renowned venue and when you see some of the acts that have played there, it's a bit surreal that I'm now doing my second of hopefully what will be many gigs uh, in the Opera House. Good, good. And it's the end of this leg of your tour, isn't it? It is, yes. This is the last gig. The best to last before we uh, go off and do our summer festivals uh, and then we'll be Okay, your 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 vo- your your phone is fading a bit, so you need to just move ever so slightly, so we can just get a good thing. Yeah, you're okay there now. You're fine there. Uh, yeah, you, uh, yeah, no, this is the last one on the tour, and then I'm back at the studio then, back to Tom and back to getting some more music ready to release towards the end of the year. And for those, Jake, that haven't seen you live uh, before, I mean, we had your brother Nathan on the programme uh, a few weeks ago. You're not a country singer. No, I'm not. No, it's uh, it's very much sort of uh, pop music, you know what I mean? But it's crazy because at our gigs, we, we get a huge age range. Now, there is a, a majority of young ones come to see us, but there's also a lot of parents that come to see us. There's a lot of um, all mature people, will we say, and they seem to have a great gig as well. So although it's not country music, it's very pop and it's very kind of fresh and energetic. And we like to put on a show as opposed to just singing songs. So... Uh, yeah, but the the actual music side of it would be uh, very much pop orientated. There's it's kind of we do fifty percent of original stuff and then fifty percent of covers. So there's always songs that people, people will know. know and, you know, there's always songs as well. And uh, people come to the gigs, they go and listen to music. And obviously, we we do we open the set with Supernatural. There's all different covers from the likes of Man, Bruno Mars, and stuff like that that we kind of take and we make them a little bit different and then make them our own so um, yeah it's a great it's a great show and uh, I'm sure if anyone goes to tomorrow night they're, they're going to enjoy it Well it's interesting that you mention Ali Murs because the first time I heard Supernatural my instant thing was oh it sounds like Ali Murs there's Yeah, uh, yeah I would be a, a huge Ali Murs fan and would take a lot of influence from the likes of that stuff you know what I mean so it would have it would I guess sound a little bit like one of his tracks or a track that he would release yeah yeah it's it's, it's terrific um, when I mentioned that you were coming on the programme the amount of people that said is he still dancing are you still da- <laughs> are you still dancing uh, well Karen's actually opened up a brand new dance school so I'm getting back into it a little bit now and hopefully we'll be uh, back dancing soon but I, I took a little bit a little bit of a break the last few months to, uh, to focus back on the music but uh, yeah if, if anything just to keep me fit I try and do a little bit here and there you took to it like a duck to water. Did you did you expect to take to it so well? Um, no, I, I guess not. Well, I, I love learning new stuff, you know what I mean? And I, I am kind of someone that can pick things up quite quick. But I don't think, I'd never thought that I would have 
you know, enjoyed it as much as I did. And I guess I definitely didn't think I would go on to win the show, which was a huge surprise because I was only living in Ireland for a year when I actually started the show. So it was great to see the support that I received from the public and in everything that I do, not just the dancing, but also, you know, in my music, when I release new music, when I do new venues and visit new places to do gigs, there's always a great support. And it's, it's really, it makes everything worthwhile, you know what I mean, all the hard work. But with the dancing, I definitely was um, a lot more weary at the start as to whether I would be any good. But after a few weeks, you know, a lot of hard work, I really got into it then. And I had a great teacher, so I suppose that was mm. the And the chemistry on screen was so obvious to all. I mean, I'm <laughs> assuming you never went in, you didn't go in to find love. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, I I, I went in, I didn't really know much about the show because I'd watched it, obviously, but I, as I said, I was only over in Ireland for a few months when I was asked to be on the show. So um, I went in, I didn't really know what I was going into, but it was it was one of the best experiences of my life. And as I said, there, to go on and win it was kind of amazing. I never expected that. And then obviously myself and Karen afterwards, it was a great bonus then as well. And you're, I know because I've seen you on Twitter, you're following Love Island. And I think you and Karen are, are proof that love can come out of a reality show. Yeah, you never know. Um, I suppose Love Island is one of them shows I think everyone is kind of hooked to it. Even if people say they're not watching it, they still kind of do watch it here and there and they're a bit embarrassed they're watching it. But it's, it's a great show and it's great, it's great entertainment, you know what I mean? I've had a lot of backlash, I suppose, as well, but it's good entertainment and the people know what they're signing up for when they, when they mm. sign up to them types of shows. So, um, yeah, I think the, all the controversy that's going with it as well, um, you know, I, I kind of think, as I said there, they, they know what they're getting themselves into. So they only have themselves to blame for the backlash then. Are you a fan of Maura? I'm honestly not, no. I oh. thought she should have went yesterday. Oh, no! Um, yeah, I was. Arabella and Danny had a chance to find if they what they were looking for. Yeah, I don't think Arabella should have went. I would have preferred. Ah, that's coming. Great for the show, and she's great crack. You know what I mean? She's great entertainment. And that's coming from a young male point of view. I know why you want Arabella to stay in. If they got rid of Mora, the show would be nothing. Go team Mora. Go team Mora. Okay, listen, um, we'll let you get back to the journey uh, to Cork. Thank you. There are, there, are, there are some tickets still available. You can get them from there's still, the... There's still a few tickets, few tickets available, yeah. And they're available online or there will be still some tickets available on the door tomorrow night. And doors are open at 7 o'clock and we have a sports act starting at 8 o'clock. Okay, and Lisa Sheehan in Emma Street in Mallow says, please say hello to Jake and to say she'll see you there tomorrow night. She's already hello, got her Lisa. ticket. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, Jake. Listen, pleasure to no talk problem. to you. Thank you for that. Thank we'll talk again. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, the lovely Jake Carter playing for one night only in the Cork Opera House tomorrow night. You can get on to the box office uh, or online corkoperahouse.ie if you want to get some tickets. 1850-333-103. The Best 99s are still coming into us. Best 99 is in the spa in Clonakilty. Um, that's from Lorcan. Thank you, Lorcan. And then someone else says it's true, creamiest 99 in the world. What is that reacting to? 
uh, another it's true the cream is anyway I think that's somebody obviously agreeing with me that in order for it to be a nice 99 the ice cream has to be really rich and really really creamy or it isn't it isn't a good 99 uh, otherwise Cormac says the best 99 is the one you're holding in your hand no matter where it comes from that's probably true that is probably true and on a warm day uh, to ha- to be handed in at 99. Uh, Johnny was on to say Bat Maguire's shop in Castletown's end. They do one mean 99. James in Ahada, who's only three, loves the 99 from Day's shop in Whitegate. And I love that one. They do little 99s for because I imagine little James wouldn't be able to hold a very big one. But uh, he gets them at the Day's shop in uh, White. Uh, gate. Uh, 1850 I want to give you advance notice of something we're doing on Monday and I give you advance notice because we're looking for your if you've got any questions to get them into us over the weekend please on Monday's programme um, after 11 we're going to be doing a special feature on wills. We've been asked by a number of listeners over the last number of weeks and months if we do something on wills. People just worried because they don't have their will bit confused as to what they should do and how they should be doing it or maybe worried about a will they've already made and the possibility maybe of changing it. So if you have a specific question obviously all of the questions will be will be put to our will expert with complete confidentiality. Nobody's names or areas or anything like that will be mentioned. But if you have a question with regard to a will you can get it into us um, ideally by email to, you can send it to patricia at c103.ie or corktoday at c103.ie. But email is probably the best, but failing that, during the programme today or else early on Monday once we come on air, you can get it in either to John Paul 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But ideally, if you can email us over the weekend, that really would be uh, terrific to patricia at c103.ie. Any queries that you have with regard to the writing and making of a will. Ballyhara Country has a series of events this summer that celebrate the cultural, historical and family roots of the area. Joining me to preview some of the events and with details of a new app that's about to be launched, I'm joined by Amanda Slattery of uh, Ballyhara Country. Uh, Good morning to you, Amanda. Hiya, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose for those who don't know the area, describe it for us. Well, by her country is in North Cork and South East Limerick. And it was in the 1980s that rural tourism really established itself in the region. And it's gone from strength to strength. And it's off the beaten track. It is still a very rich agricultural landscape. And we're bounded by the mountain ranges of the Ballyharas and the Galaxies. So it's a gorgeous area friendly people, lots and lots of outdoor activities to do as well. So we are really excited for next week to launch the new app to celebrate the Ballyhara Trails. Now, the, the the app, as you say, that gets launched, what kind of information is going to be contained on the app? And I believe it's an interactive app. It is an interactive app. So it's going to be available on Android and iOS. So for all iPhones and Android phones, it's free to download as well. And uh, the Apple version is available from next week. But the app itself is 
a way for us to counteract a challenge. And the challenge is that a lot of local people and visitors, whilst they might be aware of the breadth of national loop walks that we have in the region, they're not quite sure where the start point is. So as well as uh, profiling each of these loops, it's going to give you information around the distance and the difficulty and the close location. But what's really special about it is when you click in to the, the loop that you want to do, you can click then and take me to the trail and it will take you directly to the start point. So really, really useful. But the other information that is all geolocated is if you fancy a bite to eat after your walk, you can just click eat and it will show you the local options. Excellent. If you wanted to stay in the area and you had picked your walk in advance, it will show you local hotels and B&Bs and self-catering. And a lovely feature is also the explore option. So, for example, if you did do a walk at the Ballyhara Mountain Bike Trails, it will also show you all the local experiences that are there, their you know, opening times and the details about it. So it's almost like a little mini website on your phone. That's uh, terrific. And as I say, it's free to download. But what we really hope is that it's not going to just be used by visitors, that it's going to be used by all the people that live in the area as well, because we have a tendency, I think, as Irish people, not to explore what's on our doorstep. So we'd love people to get out and about this summer and really take advantage of it, because these walks are spectacular. How, ma- how, many of these walk- how many of these walks do you have? We have 12 national loops that are featured on this app. And they actually range from a nice 5K to an 18K. So there is something actually for everybody and for every fitness level as well, you know. I mean, 5K, that's suitable for all the family, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. A nice flat um, terrain as well. So there's... There's a lovely walk at Ecran, just at the, the base of the Galtees there, and it's a lovely flat walk around Galtee Castle Wood, perfect for all the family. So um, there's a gorgeous one as well, which is called the, the Kale River uh, Loop Walk, and there's a little fairy, it's a fairy trail by the river as oh. well, so the kids would really love it. And I suppose all of these walks are off-road, so they're all in... Um, hidden locations if you like yeah. that is where the app comes into play because you don't want to be heading off on a Sunday morning trying to find the walk Absolutely. you want to just be able to just take me there and you're there and it takes out that stress factor getting out in the open air and getting out in the woods and the forest is to de-stress you so we want to try and de-stress people by being able to get directly to that trailhead nice and safe yeah. and when I think of, of Ballyhower I think of the mountain bike trails They've, they're proving to be really popular Absolutely. And I think um, really since that opened, gosh, it must be 10 years ago now, Patricia, time has flown, but uh, people now have an association with Ballyhara and outdoors, you know. And again, with the mountain bike park, it is for beginners also. There's actually a range of e-bikes now there. So even if you don't feel you're the fittest, it shouldn't stop you from exploring the, the, the Ballyhara bike trails because you can hop on an e-bike and off you go. It takes the, <laughs> the pressure off. And you can hire you can hire bikes if you don't have your own bikes with you. Yeah, yeah, you can bring your own bike, or you can hire bikes. Trail riders are located at the at the at the trailhead there at the bike park, so you can hire your bike there. Yeah, yeah, and there's no problem. Okay, and you've got kit you out. I mean, it really this whole area. It's it's. I saw it written somewhere, and I thought it was a perfect uh, description. It's an outdoor paradise for families. Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose all these little things that we're trying to do is just to make it that bit more accessible. So we're really excited for the app. And as I say, we do hope that everyone will use it. And when it's free, you've nothing to lose. Just give it a go, you know. You've You've some events coming up as well. 
We've locked on over the summer. Um, uh, there's one event that I'd like to, to tell you a little bit about, which is our Ballyhara Family Adventure Day. And that's on Sunday, July 21st. And just as you said, Patricia, this is really aimed at families and, and young kids. Um, and it's really pitched to try and encourage people to access all the outdoor activities. So in a day, there's going to be lots of different samples, including yoga walks, including little fitness boot camps, um, including giant Jenga. And we have also a little mini tractor run for smallies so they can all bring their toy tractors and their cars and there'll be a little (laughs) tractor run at the trailhead. And, of course, sampling the the mountain biking. So, again, it's our way of trying to encourage more families to access these. And once you know a little bit more about it, I think it will encourage people to get out and about um, more regularly in the region. So that's on Sunday, July 21st. And you can book tickets now. Um, The ticket line is open, as they say. And uh, we have a, a bit of a different event, actually, in September it's a, a bit off, but something to think about. It's uh, September 28th, and it's our Ballyhara Wellness Day. Um, and this is a day where we're having in the Kennedy Rooms in Brough a day of mindfulness, a day of relaxation, a day of yoga. Um, something really gorgeous just to, to switch off. And uh, it's it, there's a ticket line, as I say, is open for all of these events. But for that particular day, it also incorporates... Um, a lunch with all the local produce and fresh produce from the area as well, which would be designed by um, chef on site. So that's going that to be sounds like a one. perfect day. Yeah. And especially at the end of the summer, kids have gone back yeah. to school and you're just nice, nice and relaxed. Absolutely. And uh, we have another very exciting event happening actually on the 13th of July, and that is the Battle of Kilmallock. And uh, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about that because this is a reenactment, a medieval reenactment, and there is a battle all day. Um, it's turning the clock back in Kilmallock into medieval times. It's a spectator event. There's going to be lots of stalls, lots of craft, and of course, medieval battle fight to the finish. So something a little bit different. Who's doing your? Who's doing the reenactments for you? We have a number of different reenactor groups that yeah. are coming to Kilmallock and uh, we don't expect the audience to get too involved. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, that's event. always a great day yeah. and I've been at a few yeah. of those over the years and they're fantastic. So they, they, they really and, are great. Uh, so a lot, a lot happened. In, yeah, and of course this weekend in Charleville is the Charleville show with the yeah. 40th anniversary so that's the 29th and 30th. And one more thing to flag is of course the opening of Donnerill Court um, that opened last weekend. So that's a, a great cause of excitement in the region because a lot of people would have been using the park for many, many years now but to be able to access the house would be fantastic. So mm. tours are running from 10 to 6 every day um, since uh, Thursday the 24th. So yeah. Okay, listen, uh, you're jam-packed. You've got a lot uh, happening. Uh, Will will you let us know when the app goes live so that we can tell people on how to download it? Absolutely. We're launching on July 4th, which is next Thursday. Okay. So uh, from that day forward, we're good to go. And what what, what do people look for if they're going to the app store? So Ballyhara Trails Guide app. Ballyhara Trails Guide. Okay. Uh, listen, good luck with it, Amanda. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for you that. Too, Patricia. Thank and thanks for, uh, for joining us. Bye bye. That is Amanda Slattery from uh, Ballyhara Country. We will catch up on calls and comments coming into the programme. We're also going to offer advice. I know everyone's saying the weather forecast, the, the weather forecast, the weather isn't great today. Might get a bit brighter this afternoon. It's certainly going to be quite a muggy afternoon. The forecast across the weekend is quite good as well. Many people will be hitting off 
to beaches and the, and the waterways. So we're going to have some water safety advice in the next hour. And of course, it's Friday which means we're going to be going to the movies with uh, Mark. Uh, and I'm particularly looking forward to this because Mark went. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Along to see the new Toy Story movie. I don't know how many people have gone along uh, to see it, but by all accounts, the reviews are quite good. So I'll be interested in hearing Mark's uh, take on it. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've been talking about on post and the closure of the Cork Mail Centre. That's prompted Eileen to contact us in Mallow, saying, who is responsible if you post an item and it goes missing in the post? It's happened to me in a number of occasions and when I've contacted on post, they wash their hands. I don't know for sure. I'd have to do some research on that as to, as to what actually happens when an item goes missing in the post. Do you... Do you post at your own responsibility that if it gets goes missing? Because items, of course, will go missing. I'm, I'm assuming that you do. I know with the registered post, you people always assumed if you send something registered post, so there was almost like an insurance that you were guaranteed it was going to get there. I mean, certainly there's a more of a guarantee it will get there than if it wasn't registered. But we in the past have heard of people who sent items registered post, cash in particular, and there was no comeback when the item went missing and when the item of registered post never uh, arrived. So I'm assuming it's the same for if, if you post a card or a letter and it goes missing. I've Over the years, yeah, I've had items. Not many, no, not many. I have to say I have great faith in, in Unpost and I was only saying it yesterday, I have great faith in their next day delivery system, which I'm a bit worried about when the Cork Mail Centre closes in Little Island. Can they guarantee us here in Cork that we will have next day delivery? I don't know if they will be able to do that or not. But um, items going missing. Has anybody followed up on an item going missing and did Unpost ever take responsibility? Did you get compensated? in any way if you have a story to tell us uh, and ad- advice for Eileen on that items going missing in the post would love to hear from you 1850 now there's a WhatsApp in about cyclists that uh, this will annoy a lot of people this is this divide again between cyclists and motorists and it's something we tried to deal with this week on the programme about trying to share everybody sharing the road it never seems to work now I'm slow to call out exactly where this happened because I've no proof of that it did actually happen or what's the name of the cycling club so for that reason I'm just going to give it out as a general comment that has come in except to say that it happened in the West Cork area at about half past seven yesterday evening which was a beautiful evening it was warm and sunny our listener says I approached a large group of cyclists when I got the opportunity to pass them as I was overtaking them they built up speed and they spread out on the road and they were jeering each other on as I passed them out I ended up having to build up speed in order to pass them out before oncoming before oncoming traffic were, were to approach. I got such a fright, my legs were actually shaking. I also had my daughter in the car with me. It was appalling, the carry-on of them on the road uh, last night. I'm assuming that they are a local cycling club. If a car had come in the opposite direction, 
the cyclist had made it impossible for me to push back in. That sounds absolutely atrocious and a frightening situation. And the fact that it was a large group, they were obviously a large group that were out training and, you know, I take it that's going on a lot in the evening. I'm, I'm slow to say that it would be a local cycling club. I mean, surely a local cycling club are very professional when they're out on the road for want of a better word and that they are psych that everything that they do is to do with safety I mean obviously there's a training aspect to their cycling but that safety always comes first I mean to hear people jeering each other on and and it sounds from that text like they were jeering each other on because this lady decided to overtake and you know she'd waited they were a large group she waited until she got a good stretch on the road to overtake and then they start speeding up and spreading out across the road very irresponsible is what it sounds like. 1850 I'd be interested if any local cycling club is listening. Could you ever see any of your members carrying on like that? Because that's just a licence for disaster. Somebody's going to get hurt in a situation like that. That's for sure. Back to the Cork Mail Centre. Colette says, surely any business, if you're in any business, you do your homework, resales, etc. When they built the state-of-the-art sorting office, as in the scale and the operation of the services, it's not that old, it's new. It's easy to say they built it by taxpayers' money. On post, put up the price of stamps to pay for the building. Now it looks like they put up the price of the stamps to pay for the redundancy. They knew what was coming, i.e. the big masters knew what was uh, coming down. Yeah, and there is a state-of-the-art uh, sorting office in, in Little Island. Actually, that's one of the points and I didn't because I got into so, much, so many other topics with... Deputy Sean Sherlock on the programme today when we discussed it. What now for that site? Little Island is, um, I mean, I'm assuming another business will go in there. I mean, it's a very popular spot and there's very successful businesses in the Little Island uh, area. But uh, for the other businesses there, I imagine they would want to make sure that when the Cork Mail Centre is gone, that a new business moves in there uh, as quickly as possible. On still getting good, still getting best ninety nines in town. Best ninety nine in in Spar in Mitchellstown. My son loves them. They come with the sprinkles. Says Neve, and there's great staff there as well. Well done. I like to hear that they, there's good staff, and I like to. It's always good to give them a mention when they've been good. Best ninety nine you'll get anywhere in Cork. Head out to Clonakilty. The Spar in Clonakilty does the best 99. Sean says, love the 99s in Burke's Gala in Kalekill. I love stopping there on a Friday evening on the way home at the end of the week. Yeah, it's kind of, it's that lovely feeling, that Friday feeling, Sean. You'll get it a little bit later on today. End of the week. Weekend is looming and you've got a 99 in your hand. You paint a nice picture. And Oren says, best 99. Uh, oh, this is another spar in Clonakilty. Okay, that's from Oren. Thank you for that, um, Oren. And John Finber says, morning to Patricia. I often get a lovely 99 in Eason's in Wilton. They do a regular size and they do a large size. And can I say, says John Finber, both are very generous proportions, both the regular and the large. And that's Eason's in the Wilton Shopping Centre. 1850 333103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
And some events that are happening this evening, the Commodore Male Voice Choir. They've got their annual concert at the Commodore Hotel in Cove tonight. Tickets are €10 from the hotel or any choir member and a share of the money will go towards the Cathedral Organ Upkeep. Dancing to Michael Collins and Dermot Lyons. That goes ahead of Cades County this evening from 8. Tickets €15 includes finger food and money's raised going to the community ambulance. Mill Street Athletic Club, they're holding the Willie Neenan Memorial 5-mile race. That's on tonight at 8.15. Ballonhasic Community Development Association, they've got a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasic tonight. Music is by Kevin Lynch, dancing from 9.45 to 12.30am and teas will be served. Different Strokes Art Exhibition at the Kilkenny Design Studios in Shanagari. It opens tonight at 7. The exhibition runs for the month of July, seven days per week and entry is free. Bing goes on in Kildare Parish Hall tonight at half eight and Clyde Rovers GAA. They will hold their lottery draw Derry Murphy's Bar tonight. €1,650 is the jackpot. And please note that Brendan Grace will not be performing at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow in July as he's been advised to rest following a recent hospital admission. So that's the Brendan Grace um, concert due to be held at Burnham Hotel in Mallow on July 19th has been cancelled. Now with the lovely weather we've been experiencing at the moment even though today I know it's a bit overcast and we have people complaining that it's raining in some parts particularly in West Cork but the forecast for the weekend certainly is good. Many people will be considering heading to the beach or the waterways across the weekend. With that in mind Water Safety Ireland is warning people to stay safe when swimming in this warm weather and the Chief Executive John Leach uh, joins me. Good uh, good afternoon to you John. Good afternoon and a great pleasure to be on here with uh, you and your listeners again. All, always yeah. a pleasure John, always a pleasure. First great. thing now, our lifeguards, are they on duty at this stage yes, around the country? they are. The Cork County Council made a decision when Met Aaron, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, forecast that we're going to get the very good weather yesterday and today and so lifeguards were out yesterday and they're out again today and they're obviously out then for the weekend. So Cork County Council have really been on the ball in this case, which is really encouraging, and that they they deserve you know a, a f- full uh, compliments and congratulations, and well done to them. Uh, it's good for, initiative. For doing that. It go, is because go, it's really putting safety first. Because uh, sometimes we get a heat wave and we don't have the lifeguards around, and then people swim in all kinds of places they shouldn't be swimming in, and we end up with tragedies. So fingers crossed, no tragedies, and hopefully Monday morning there'll be no. Uh, headlines of yeah, people being lost over the weekend and, and, and it's, it's great to get on air with you it, again to raise awareness Is that the best piece of advice John to only swim where lifeguards are on duty? Yeah unless you're a very uh, experienced swimmer and, and you're swimming in a group um, I mean all, your general listeners who are maybe this the, the first swim of the year in open water that's by far the best place to go is to the I mean you've got wonderful uh, beaches the whole way from Yall you've got the three stations in Yall alone for instance and then, I mean, you've got the new one, of course, or the relatively new one that is in Fountainstown. So that, that you know, deals, with, if you like, with South Cork. And then you have uh, the whole way, then you've got Gary Vaux, Garrettstown, Gary Lucas, Trogumna, Inchidoni, East and West, two of them, Ona Hinche, Barley Cove. Uh, so lots of, lots of um, really fantastic beaches in Cork, safe beaches. Uh, where you can bring your family and enjoy a swim, knowing that if you get into trouble, your children get into trouble, they guess what? 
they won't because that lifeguard was somebody happy there. Before. Yeah, they're just they're, they're great. They're fantastic lifeguards. They're very well trained, up to uh, best international standard for the International Lifesaving Federation standards. So they really are super guys. However, let's deal with the people who might want to swim in a river or a lake or a beach that's not lifeguarded. First thing we would say is make sure that there's a yellow box there with a ring boy, uh, and all, uh, all swim in a group and ensure that you swim within your depth and stay within your depth because cold water uh, at this time of the year it's still quite cold relatively speaking especially if you jump out of a hot car yeah I've been reading a lot about this cold water shock and you know the other day for example in France who are having much higher temperatures than we're having here um, but they had three deaths uh, on beaches in France in one day and they put it down to this cold water shock absolutely I mean it's all relative I mean as their water is much warmer than ours the temperature, the air temperature, was so much higher than ours. So what happens with, with cold shock is you, know, you, you immerse the body in, into the water quickly, which is a very dangerous thing to do, and you get that initial, you know, that deep gasping, yeah. and that uncontrollable rapid breathing, and your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you can feel dizzy, you know, and that unfortunately can bring, in, bring on uh, a stroke or a heart attack, depending on your health, uh, uh, inhalation of water, and possibly drowning, because it brings on panic. And a lot of people, like last year, you know, during the heat wave last year, uh, every one of the swimmers who drowned were out of their depth. And in 2013, when we lost 13 people in 14 days, every one of the swimmers were out of their depth. And, you know, unless you're swimming regularly and you're with very strong swimmers who will look after you if you do get into trouble, just stay within your depth and you can have the most enjoyable swim and have lots of fun. A swim parallel to the shore or to the beach, uh, the, the, the beach, you know, depend, the coastline, depending where you are. And you'll have... I mean, everybody be here on Monday yeah. back to work. And at least, you know, when you swim in your, your, own, your own depth, if anything goes wrong or you get tired, you just stand up. Exactly. And yeah. you can get either tired or dizzy, disorientated, cramp or feeling just unwell. And you're right, just drop your legs and wade back ashore. Yeah. And then the, so there's no reason for people to be losing their lives going for a, a pleasurable swim. It's just it's, it's crazy when you think of it. People are going in to enjoy a swim and they end up, you know, it ends in tragedy. Shouldn't. Uh, so that's our. I can't say it enough. Swim within your depth and stay within your depth. And, and there's no God, tragedies this weekend. If God forbid you see somebody in difficulty, what's the advice? Our advice is uh, dial one one two and ask for the coast guard. Now, if sorry, if 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 you're, if you're there as I said earlier on in our interview, there's a yellow box and ring boy. Obviously, use that. Uh, but don't go into the water yourself unless you're a trained lifesaver. Uh, use your voice to you know to calm them down. Uh, then reach out to them and throw that ring boy to them, and then uh, take them back in. But if if not, say you see somebody in distress that you cannot help, dial one one two immediately. Ask for the coast guard when when you when you get into the when, when they pick up the phone, they send you to the coast guard. And we have a world class coast guard. We have a brilliant coast guard, four brilliant helicopters, uh, Ornelli lifeboats, and uh, community rescue boats and coast guard boats all around our island nation and all around the Cork shore and indeed it's up the rivers like the Malus or Tumis. There, there are people there who can help and will be there in minutes mm-hmm. so it really is uh, and call early always call early the Ornelai or the, the, the community rescue boats they will never be upset if, it, if they, they arrive out and the person is has been okay. sorted yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, will have, they will just be so delighted just to, to get the shout because unfortunately sometimes people don't shout early enough and then we end up with, with tragedy so nobody yeah, wants and, tragedy and, and, I mean, and we shouldn't have it when we have these fantastic y- facilities absolutely and I, I know a number of years ago when I would have started 
started out on this radio programme when uh, we'd have done a similar interview like this, you were looking for a phone to try to dial uh, the emergency services, but everybody now has a mobile phone with them. Yes, that's that's very, very true. You're dead right. I remember years ago, you know, like criteria for a blue flag beach was there had to be a landline phone yeah. at the top of the beach, you know. So, I mean, that, that that sort of criteria obviously has gone with our modern technology. But, I mean, we all have them. And even if you're you're walking your dog on, the, on a beach and you get, end up getting stranded by an incoming tide, if you've got your phone on you, just dial 112 or 999, ask the Coast Guard, and they'll have you out of there in no, no time at all, 15, 20 minutes, depending on where you are. We've got a, they've got a very, very fast response rate. They're, they're absolutely brilliant, the helicopters and the lifeboat. Uh, um, and if you're in close proximity to a lifeboat, they'll probably be there before the helicopter. Mm. They, they very often are. Uh, and, you, and you're adamant when you say, uh, John, if you see somebody in trouble, unless you're a qualified lifeguard, you don't go in to try to rescue the person because you could end up with a double tragedy. And um, unfortunately, that has happened in the past and that's, that's, that's unacceptable. There's no point in losing the second life. It's bad enough to lose one, but to lose two, it's just, it's not, we mustn't have it. I mean, we encourage members, our members, and indeed adults can do our courses and to learn life-saving skills. And they are fantastic. They're, they're life skills. Uh, thankfully, now we have the program in the schools, which is called the PAWS, or the Primary Aquatics Water Safety Program. And just last week alone, we sent out, oh, was it 550,000 wristbands, the little yellow wristbands with the flags on them, because a lot of people don't understand the beach safety flags. You know, the, uh, the red and yellow flag is the two of them there on the beach. That's a designated bathing area. That's where the lifeguards will be patrolling and looking out for people in trouble. They in between those two flags? Yes, in between yeah. those two flags. Like, they can't uh, do a very, very long beach. It's just not possible. And so they're asking people to swim between the flags. And when the red and yellow flags are up, lifeguards are on duty. They're looking out for you. It's safe to go. Green light, off you go. When you've got a red flag, that means they're advising you not to enter the water because maybe it's because there's too many jellyfish lines being jellyfish or Portuguese man of war. Or like in Dublin, they had difficulty with water quality with mm. sewage. Or it could be for because the surf is too strong. There's a wind against tide, there's spring tides, and uh, you know there's an outgoing rip current and uh, a, a lot of uh, oncoming uh, wind. Yeah, those uh, flags are never put up for no reason. The exactly. red ones. Yeah. And and when you say no flag, and of course no flag means simply no lifeguard on duty. So you're then swimming at, at your own peril. So you must ensure that now, obviously, the life-saving equipment is still there and there's good water safety signage warning you about the various hazards on that beach. But then it's your it's personal responsibility. It's you going down there with your family or with your friends or with your, your group and you're swimming together. So it's up to you then to look out for each other. And it's important that we do take personal responsibility when lifeguards are not on duty. That's a good point. That's a good point. And of course, as we know, sadly, drowning happens in seconds and is very often silent. Uh, yeah, uh, virtually always, it's always silent, really, yeah. And the last thing I would say is for those going afloat, please wear your life jacket or your buoyancy aid this weekend. Okay, and before we let you go, uh, John, those heading overseas for uh, a sun holiday, I mentioned this earlier on when I was teeing up that you were coming on the programme. My advice to everybody is familiarise yourself with the pool, particularly on that first day. Oh, absolutely. We've, as you know, we've had some awful tragedies. There was three last year alone three drownings in swimming pools last year alone wow. of people going on holidays and it is not always but nearly always but 80% of them first day and yeah. sometimes in the first hour 
in other words, mum and dad are unpacking the bags or whatever up in the apartment or whatever. The kids are raced down to the pool, sometimes with or without the permission of their parents. Nobody supervises them. They presume, everybody presumes, ah, oh, there'll be lifeguards there, won't there? And unfortunately, and some not. of the private pools, they don't have lifeguards. They don't deploy them. And then things go wrong and it ends in tragedy. So, yeah, three last year alone. So, when you, God, when you're packing your bags, yeah, please, well done to you for highlighting that because it's just so important. Uh, because, I mean, thankfully, we have not had a drowning in one of our pools since 2015. Thank God. Thank yeah, God. And fingers crossed. That's because we, as you know, we're lucky in Ireland that we have brilliant lifeguards and well-managed pools on the whole uh, um, who prevent these tragedies happening. And there's courses for children going on and adults, but for children going on right throughout the summer. P- oh, parents are, yeah. you know, the yeah. children are on, on school holidays now. Parents are often looking for things for them to do. There's a great skill. To yeah, two months of them in, uh, right, going right out to West Cork, to, up to East Cork. They're all available on water. Just, just uh, Google Water Safety Ireland and it's going to come straight up for you. Go to the courses, go to Cork, the county, and then yeah, the organisers uh, contact details everything are there OK pleasure as always to t- chat with you John thank, thank you. you for that and thanks for joining us okay. bye 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 that is uh, John uh, Leach who is the Chief Executive of Water Safety uh, Ireland M by text says definitely the best 99 is in Birmingham's Birmingham's shop in Formoy you get the best quality and quantity. Thank you for that by text. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We see what's doing the rounds at the cinemas with our movie review of Mark Malone who joins us online this week. Um, good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Now you went along to see Toy Story 4 and then on DVD streaming a movie called Vice. Here is a trailer though from Toy Story 4. To infinity and beyond! He's a sport. Oh, the panic is attacking me. You think you can just take our top prize spot? You're wrong. Help me get out of here. Let's go. Woody? Oh, I missed you too. Okay, let's ride. So that's what gravity feels like. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's a little trailer from Toy Story 4. I'm actually nervous about this, Mark, because I loved the other Toy Story movies. And I'm a bit nervous about going, I want to go and see it, but I'm a bit afraid, oh, I hope it's going to be as good as, as the previous ones were. Do they take a risk when they make another one? Um, I suppose for a lot of maybe uh, companies, it would have been a risk, but we're, you know, we are talking about Pixar Disney here, mm. you know, and these are people who know what they're doing. John Lasseter did say that he would not make a fourth one. He's the uh, producer of the film and uh, one of the kind of big boys in uh, Disney slash Pixar. He said, look, we'd never make a fourth one if it wasn't as good as or better than the previous three films in the franchise because the previous three films is considered to be, you know, one of the best trilogy of movies ever made. Yeah. And I wouldn't disagree with that. And the uh, Toy Story three kind of came to a lovely lovely conclusion you know I shed a tear at the end of it like everybody <laughs> else did I think and it was beautiful and wonderful and I think if I remember I gave it a 10 out of 10 because yeah. it was it was just extraordinary and so you're not the only one I mean it's funny when I look and when I read a lot of reviews that's the first thing everybody says when they went into the film they had a lot of trepidation they thought well look is this going to ruin the whole franchise are they going to make a mess of it because it could happen it can easily happen um, but they do work a long time you know when it when it comes to these films I reviewed How to Train Your Dragon 4 with John Paul last week and I pointed out that um, Tom Hanks 
did his first voiceover for this back in 2015. So they do work way in advance and they do sit down. And in fact, he said the script that he did in 2015 was very different to the one that they finished it with because they just constantly are working, constantly improving, constantly changing. And luckily, I mean, they have the budgets to be able to do that. Not everybody does. But what it does mean, of course, is that when we see the finished film on screen, it is as good as they believe it can possibly be. And I'm glad to say... Patricia, mm-hmm. you won't be disappointed. Ah, brilliant. brilliant. It, is, it is hugely entertaining. It really is. Okay, as you say, Toy Story 3 ended up nicely. It kind of closed it off. So where, what happens with this storyline? Where does this pick up from? Yeah, this is kind of a, a standalone film, really. I mean, it picks up in the sense that uh, Andy has now grown up and gone away. Mm-hmm. And so therefore he has passed all his toys. He's passed on Woody and Buzz Lightyear to his little sister, Bonnie. And we find that Woody, in fact, has this lovely relationship with Bonnie. Uh, he is one of her favourite toys. And he actually feels kind of, uh, almost kind of father-like when it comes to Bonnie and is very worried about her all the time and kind of tries to look after her all the time. And when Bonnie goes to kindergarten, for example, for the very first time, she's very nervous about it. And Woody, you know, stows away in her bag to be there for her uh, because, of course, he's very worried about it because, uh, you know, he needs her. Um, Once she's in kindergarten, she makes this little toy out of a spork, this wonderful invention, which all mothers know, is a spoon and a fork. And together. In yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And she calls this uh, little toy um, Forky, uh, uh, voiced here by Tony Hale. The problem with Forky is that Forky doesn't realise that he's a toy. To Forky, he's not really quite sure what he is. And he just thinks he's rubbish. He just thinks he should be in the trash can all the time and garbage. So <laughs> he keeps trying to run away. And every time we see him, we find him in a trash can somewhere. And of course, Woody is constantly trying to tell him, no, no, no. You must understand you are now a toy. It's kind of similar to the kind of, if you remember in the first uh, one where uh, Buzz Lightyear didn't realise he was a toy. He yeah. thought he was a real superhero. This is yeah. kind of different. Um, but um, but there's this lovely kind of um, scenes between Woody and Forky where he's trying to impress upon him and how important he, he is to uh, Bonnie. Because and, and at no stage does Woody feel jealous, which is lovely, uh, because he's so protective about uh, Bonnie and wants Bonnie to be happy. And so, therefore, he then becomes very protective about Forky, who keeps running away, who keeps running away to a garbage and keeps running away to trash cans. And at one stage, the family decides to go on a road trip and Forky does run away. And so, therefore, the film does become a road trip as Tom Hanks tries desperately to kind of track down kind of Forky and does so and uh, ends up re-meeting Bo Peep, who is... played here brilliantly by Annie Potts. And what's interesting about the film is, though, it's basically kind of their film, and disappointingly for me, because Buzz Lightyear was kind of moved aside somewhat, and we see we don't see enough of Buzz, I think, because Buzz, to me, was the hero of the film. I always loved that character. I loved his arrogance. I loved the fact that he thought he was way better. And, 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 you he know, was above that he was... all the other toys. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, there was that line, you know, where um, Woody says to him, that wasn't flying, yeah. it was falling with style, yeah. which is just, you know, one of the great lines uh, in in any movie. And so the road trip just kind of continues with this extraordinary level of animation. I mean, there's a sequence at the start in the rain. And I know that a lot of uh, problems uh, that animators had to traditionally done throughout the years was liquid, but they seem to have kind of solved that now. And, and the, the, just the detail of the rain dripping, and it looks real. It looks photorealistic. It doesn't look as if it was drawn. It doesn't look as if it came from a computer. And it's extraordinary to look at. But the film, again, is all about the relationships between toys and humans and for example at one stage it would break your heart when one of the toys turns uh, to Woody and, and he goes you, you have an owner you know mm. and so it's, it's about toys kind of desperation to be kind of loved 
and to be played with. And uh, that's a theme that kind of runs through uh, a lot of the film. And um, there's a new character, uh, Keanu Reeves, who plays this character of uh, Duke Kaboom, who is really, really funny. Basically, he plays Evil Knievel. Do you remember the toy Evil Knievel? I do, I do. Do you yeah. remember the advert on television where Evil Knievel used to fly through the air? Used to on the bike, yeah. yeah. But of course, in reality, it never did that. And anybody, <laughs> anybody who had the Evil Knievel toy was very disappointed. And they referenced that here, where they yeah. say, where the little boy doesn't want to play with his Duke Kaboom anymore because he says, it's not as good as it is on the telly. It doesn't live up to what you see on the advert. And so there's lots of kind of references to old toys like that. And um, it's, it's lovely. And there's, there's, if you're a movie fan as well, there's references to The Shining. There's references to other movies as well, which I really, really like. There's a lot of these kind of kind of signs towards other movies throughout the film which I really really like and uh, which um, um, Pixar always you know put in these films so what I will say to people is look you know don't be worried don't be nervous there's one terrific laugh where I laughed out loud <laughs> and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen and it'd be interesting to, to see if uh, you know when you watch it to, if you, if you uh, recognise which one that is okay. I, I loved it I thought it was fabulous um, it's, uh, it's not as good as the previous three I'm afraid Okay, but you know, this is Pixar. It's it's better than anything else that you'll watch this year. And it's it's lovely to see uh, because it opened um, was it it opened last weekend, didn't it? And um, it was lovely to see on on particularly on Twitter. You know, um, adults, young young adults, late twenties, early thirties, heading off with so much excitement, almost reliving their childhood again. Well, and they are. I mean, let's face it, they grew up uh, watching these films. I mean, when was the first one made? Was it 20 years ago? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, that's must, extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, if you were five years of age and now you're 25 now, if you yeah, were if you're yeah. 10, you're 30, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, this is part of your childhood. And um, and what's great is that, you know, like Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Annie Potts, you know, these actors aren't, you know, spring chickens anymore. Yeah. But yet that doesn't matter. That's not the point. You know what I mean? And kids love the, these voices and they love these characters. And why not? And look, I was really, really entertained by it. I well, thought it was terrific and it could have been a disaster but look they worked so hard and made sure that it was good OK mark it out of 10 I'm not going to give a 10 okay. like I did the previous one but I will give nine. it a 9 yeah. 9 well done 9 out of 10 that's Toy Story 4 and that's at the movies at the moment now DVD streaming is a movie called Vice it is a drama but it's a comedy drama and that's his problem, I think. Um, it's directed by and written and directed by Adam McKay, who um, you know made a lot of comedies in the past. He was involved with. Uh, he directed the other guys. He directed Step Brothers, which were out and out comedies. I mean, and this shouldn't really be a comedy. This should be a kind of a serious kind of a look at the life of uh, Dick Cheney, who was a very very complicated man. Um, but there are many occasions in this where it, it, it where they try to be satirical, but it doesn't come across that way. It comes across as just being kind of silly, uh, where they break the fourth wall quite often and I, and I think that's a bit of a shame because Dick Cheney is, um, was not the most likeable of, of characters you know I mean when Christian Bale I think he won the Golden Globe for his uh, performance in this He's, he actually when he was receiving his award said I'd like to thank Satan for giving me the inspiration on how to play this role yeah. so even Christian Bale was not a particularly great admirer of uh, Dick Cheney but then many people weren't you know um, there's a scene for example at one stage where uh, Dick Cheney kind of references kind of Shakespeare where he says, I can feel your recriminations and your judgment, and I'm fine with it. So he didn't really care what people thought about it, because he was just driven um, to 
you know, be one of the most powerful men of the world by never be actually becoming president. I mean, he became he came from a kind of a um, uh, he was a kind of a ne'er do well as a young man. He was drinking a lot. He was getting involved in fights. He was caught drink driving a couple of times. Uh, but he realizes very early on that uh, he can manipulate people, and he's got this kind of drive to be able to use people for his own uh, kind of benefit. And at one stage, his wife, played here by Amy Adams, says, "Look, you've got to get yourself sorted. You've got to cut yourself on. You've got to stop drinking. You've got to start working hard for this." family. And so he inveigles his way um, into um, politics, and he ends up in the office of Donald Rumsfeld. And there's an interesting scene with Rumsfeld, where Rumsfeld turns to him and says, look, I managed to um, erase your drink-driving record from your record. You now owe me. And he realizes very early on that this is the way um, Washington works. It's all about scratching people's backs. It's all about you scratch mine, I scratch yours. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. And he begins to work his way up in in um, um, up the kind of higher echelons of politics uh, in American politics, and ends up um, becoming George W. Bush's vice president. And what's interesting is that again, there's a scene again where he just basically uses George W. Bush. He says, "Look, you know, the vice president is a nothing." role. It means nothing. But in my hands, it can be something. It can be something amazing. So leave it all to me, and you just be who you are. And basically, unfortunately, for me anyway, George W. Bush is very much kind of portrayed as a clown in this uh, show. And I think that's a bit because I don't think he was really, really that stupid. And this is, I think, where the film uh, on occasions kind of let itself down. And then, of course, what happens is 9-11. Then, of course, Dick Cheney, of course, gets involved in setting up the Guantanamo um, camps. He then decides that all Americans will be surveilled uh, without any limit on their phones and on their computers and, in fact, throughout the world. And all that, funnily enough, is still in evidence today. So he was a very, very dark, a very, very complicated man. And uh, I think the film doesn't really, really quite show that. I think the, the, the film, because of its kind of comedic leanings, kind of undermines that ever so slightly. And is the comedic side of it to be George W. Bush? Is he like the token comedy? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's portrayed here by Sam Rockwell, who basically kind of, it, it's almost like a caricature. And I thought that was a terrible pity. Sam Rockwell's a brilliant actor, and, and that's a shame. Christian Bale was nominated for uh, an Oscar for his uh, car- for his portrayal as Cheney. And funny enough, I was kind of disappointed with his because it's it's very kind of understated. And he basically growls a lot, and I wanted more mm. from him. Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney again is okay. Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld again. It's kind of like there. It's like a a caricature again. And I think that for me, the performances let the film down ever so slightly. Uh, even though a lot of people considered the Christian Bale uh, performance to be um, as good as anybody has seen uh, lately. I think, though, having said all that, this is a fascinating film, though, and it's uh, it's all recent times. We've lived through all yeah, this. We've yeah. lived through, uh, you know, um, Dick Cheney's kind of power uh, and power-crazed kind of um, politics. And um, it is fascinating, and you do learn some stuff here that you hadn't known before. Okay, it does look like if they dropped the comedy and made it a more serious movie, it might have been a little bit better. As I said, I think yeah. they were trying to be satirical, yeah. it didn't work. Okay, Mark, out of 10? I still give it 7, though. 7. I, I still okay. recommend people to watch it. 7 out of 10. Okay, Mark, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. We'll chat next Friday. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. A couple of things happening over the weekend that I want to give a quick mention to. For example, in Cork McSherry Church, 
the Summer Songbook Concert is on next Sunday. It's a culmination of singing workshops which will begin this evening and they'll continue over the weekend. It's the seventh year of the singing workshop and it is going from strength to strength as I say, culminating in the Summer Songbook Concert Court McSherry Church next Sunday at six o'clock. Best of luck to everybody involved with the barbecue at the wine and the wine goose chase which is going to be performed by Susan Boyle. This is all going on at the St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown, all part of the fundraise to do up the church and they're doing great, great work in Mitchellstown and that event is happening tomorrow night, Saturday at 8 o'clock and there are a limited number of tickets uh, available for that and of course the Charleville show is on this weekend and part of the Charleville show keep a look out for the Charleville Heritage Centre because they've got their pop-up museum. Don't forget Nick Richards, it's up uh, after the news at 1 turning up the feel-good factor with these tunes. That's uh, that and more from Nick at one o'clock, followed by uh, Martina from uh, four. Don't forget, on Monday, we will be discussing wills on the programme. And if you've got a question, get it into us, please, Patricia, at c103.ie. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara. Talk to you on Monday. Every morning on Cork's More Music Breakfast, I'm giving you the chance to win big on Celebrity Seas. Play at 20 past seven, 20 past eight and 20 past nine. Guess the celebs. Win the cash. You just won celebrity sale! Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't believe it! I need to wait! Margaret, yes. you just won 2,100 euro! Oh, well done! Oh my god! So far, I've given away over 6,000 euro. Be my next big winner! Celebrity Seas with Simon Murdoch on C103.